Blog Talk Radio. everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. I am your host, Gary Davenport. Tonight, we are talking wide receivers. We've got a full tank, a veritable fantasy football feeding frenzy of experts ready to help you win your draft. It's a championship, and we're only asking for 20% of your prize money, which I think is reasonable. Let's dive right in. Big news this past week that sent shockwaves through drafts and left some folks who had already conducted their draft reaching for the liquor cabinet. Ezekiel Elliott, running back, Dallas Cowboys, suspended six games by the NFL for a violation of the domestic violence policy. He has appealed the suspension and maintains his innocence. We go to the newest member of our team, Jody Smith. How many games will fantasy owners be without Ezekiel Elliott for? Well, I think at this point, it's not going to be the full six games. I think the lessons should be learned by Roger Goodell in the prior instances with these suspensions where he's uh, came out looking like a fool, so to say. But I suppose it could get reduced maybe by a couple of games, uh, you know, after the appeal process gets heard out. But, uh, you know, at this point, anyone approaching the draft, that's the most optimistic I would be. I would assume at best you're going to get 12, maybe 13 games out of Elliott, but it, it seems pretty certain to me that uh, it would be unprecedented for me for this kind of suspension or punishment to get doled out and then for it to completely get overturned. So, uh, you know, for, for anyone to think that that's going to be the case, uh, like I said, it would be unprecedented. So I would assume, uh, uh, you know, a minimum of four games out. You're breaking up a little bit, Jody. David Olivares, is there a possibility, yes, in your opinion, that we could see? Let's say that they knock it down to four games. Do you think the Dallas Cowboys are going to take that suspension, or could we see a situation where they try to drag it out in the court out of the plate gate? You know, that's a tough call because um, you know, with with the DV thing in the NFL, six games is kind of their thing. It's kind of what they've stuck with, but. If it gets reduced down to four, I could see them kind of taking that on the chin and just saying fine, but we're, you know, we emphatically disagree or something to that effect. But I just don't know. It's it really puts his his fantasy value in question, but then it also makes him kind of enticing a little bit as he dips back down if he falls far enough. You know, it's hard to pass on him as you look at him in your drafts, and so. Um, you can handcuff him with the zombie known as Darren McFadden, which I've done. I literally drafted him with my 1.4 pick the night before the news broke. And, and then I'm, today on this slow draft, I wrapped around and I grabbed uh, Darren McFadden. He didn't look good at all in that preseason game. Um, so, you know, it might end up being a little bit of a timeshare with Alfred Morris too. You know, he's, he's proven that he can be a back that can carry the mail and, um, I won't be surprised if he starts getting some touches this preseason to see if they can sprinkle him in, and, and who knows what can happen. But, you know, if they if they can 
get it down to four games, I think that's kind of fair. You know, six games is, is a big, big, big punch, but four games, I think the Cowboys could live with that. I uh, took place, took part in the industry draft on Sunday evening. So this is after the Ezekiel Elliott news broke. And I wound up taking Elliott at, with the fourth pick of the second round. You know, last year I got in the same league, I got Letty on Bell at the back end of the second round because he was serving a three-game suspension over. I wound up winning the league because I survived those first few weeks. And, you know, if you get a player of that caliber back after three or four weeks, it's like an extra first-round pick. So I, I agreed. Ezekiel Elliott, it's, it's become a very interesting conundrum for fantasy owners. And, you know, where he – I don't really know what to make of the whole situation because, like I said, he swears up and down that he's innocent, and I know there's been some talk that perhaps the victim isn't the most credible person in the world. So I'm reserving judgment on the whole thing until perhaps – I wish I almost wish we had the information that the NFL has because maybe then we could – I feel like right now I'm just kind of swinging in the dark, and I don't want to – I certainly don't want to make light of domestic violence because, of course, that's a, if you put your hands on a woman, you're a piece of crap. But I also don't want to throw a guy under the bus and then find out a month later that he really didn't do it. So, risk and, you know, work, Gary, I mean, get, go ahead, Tom. Yeah, Gary, just like you had said, I was also in an industry uh, expert's mock draft um, Sunday night after it happened, and he also went second round in that. And then in Deathmatch, which you are the commissioner of, he also went second round in that league as well. I personally think if it's a three-game suspension, if it's knocked down to three, a second-round pick, he might be worth it. But if you're sitting there, sitting there looking at four or five or six games, I think that's too steep a price to pay. That was not the only news this past week. And we'll go to you, Ryan Black, for the first take on this. We also had, I guess it was two trades, if you want to get technical. The Buffalo Bills were wheeling and dealing dealt Sammy Watkins to the Los Angeles Rams for E.J. Gaines and I believe a second-round pick, and then turned around and acquired Jordan Matthews from the Philadelphia Eagles, and Jordan Matthews then proceeded to get hurt because that's just how things go for Buffalo. Ryan Black, what does Sammy Watkins' move to the left coast do for his fantasy value? Up, down, about the same? Yeah, it's funny. I was selling even before the news, and now I'm selling even harder. Uh, it looks like he's fallen down to the 19th wide receiver off the board. That's just still way too high. Um, you know, I, I like Sean McVay. He's a really good coach, really young guy, knows how to get the ball to talented wide receivers. I just don't have the faith in Jared Goff yet. Still has some time, but – I am selling. Let's Sammy Watkins be someone else's problem. He's still got the injury history. L.A., who knows what that offense is going to look like. Can't argue with you. And if nothing else, I applaud the Rams trying to go out and get Jared Goff better targets in the passing game to try to help him make that second-year jump maybe. But I just I haven't seen enough to make me confident that it's going to happen enough to pay what Sammy Watkins is going. But he would have to drop significantly for me to be interested, and it's just not happening. If anything, I've seen him actually bump up a little bit in other formats. Yeah, and that's just crazy to me. And it was funny before the trade, Robert Woods was one of my, one of my favorite late round targets. And then he had to go back to his old teammate and tell him, "Hey, guess what? You got to take a back seat again." 
<laughs> Tonight is all about wide receivers. We've got three potential candidates to be the number one wide receiver of draft board. I've seen at least two of them flip flop and be taken as the number one wide receiver. We'll go to you first with this, Jody. Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham, Julio Jones, rank them. Uh, to me, it's fairly easy. Uh, with me, uh, Julio Jones is a distant third in that list. And you're looking at – I'm going to look at the, the three years that Odell Beckham has been active where all three of these players um, have stats that we can analyze. And when you're looking at those three, uh, Antonio Brown is your clear number one. He's averaged 22.7 uh, points in PPR, uh, and he's only missed one game in the last three seasons. Now, right behind him for me is Odell Beckham. Not far behind at 21.6 points in the exact same number of touchdowns. They both have 35 touchdowns over those three years. Um, and that's considering that Odell Beckham has actually missed five games. Now, Julio, that's where you, the, the big difference between those two is. Where those two are at 35 touchdowns, Julio's down at 20. Now, he averages almost 21 points in PPR per game. He's not by any means a player that you disregard, but it's that lack of touchdowns, that lack of presence in the end zone that keeps him, you know, quite a bit behind those other two for me. And until that situation changes, uh, you know, I, I can't see myself taking uh, Julio over, over the other two guys. Any argument from any of the other panelists or does everyone have it? Antonio Brown, then Odell Beckham, then Julio Jones. You know, I flip flop Jones and OBJ on my personal preference, but I always just like I gravitate to bigger wide receivers. And um, you know, I'm down here in the South too, so you know I like my guy down here in Atlanta, Julio Jones, a little bit over OBJ. But honestly, it's it's one of these great situations where you can't really go wrong, as we all know well. And so that's really just a preference thing for me. I like the bigger, you know, fast guy. Uh, that's Julio Jones down here. But again, it's dealer's choice, and there's no missing on those guys. Okay, well, then let me throw this out to the panel, and any of you guys can jump in, depending on how you feel about the, the notion. Would any of you gentlemen consider taking a wide receiver over David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell at the number one overall spot? Yes. <laughs> but I don't think I'd pull the trigger on that. Gary, you wrote an excellent article on that, and it's he's Mr. Consistency. I mean, what is it, four years? He's got PPR finishes, wide receiver one, 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 and three, I think is what it is, uh, in four years, excuse me. But it's I think if I had the number two pick, I'd pick Brown over Bell. I mean, he's still holding out. But uh, David Johnson, you know, we've talked about it before, having that elite running back really can give you that edge throughout the season, but it is enticing. I'd say it's about 40% Antonio Brown, 60% David Johnson for me. Well, for you me know, personally, Gary, it. go right ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's no problem. For me personally, Gary, it's not really close. I, I would not have taken Antonio Brown before the fourth pick uh, as early as this is equal Elliott news broke out. But now you will. I will consider taking Antonio Brown with the number three pick. But to me, it all comes about running back scarcity and how I know that I can find uh, very good wide receivers in round three and round four. But the list of running backs that I feel comfortable with in fantasy this year is probably less than 10 players. And I'm not going to pass the opportunity to get a player like David Johnson or um, Le'Veon Bell 
there at the top of my my draft. Now, when Bell came back last year, he actually averaged 26.5 PPR points per game. It was crazy what he was on pace. In 12 games, he was on pace for 125 targets, and that would have been 100 receptions. If you combine his pace of what he did from a yards per scrimmage standpoint last year, he was on pace for 2,511 yards. That's crazy. And with David Johnson, it's almost the same thing. 25.7 PPR points per game combined. Uh, you, you just hit on Antonio Brown earlier. He's right around 22. So you're talking about, you know, three points per game difference. I do like Antonio Brown's safety, the fact that he's only missed one game in three years. That's obviously something that you consider. But like I said, the, the big point for me is running back scarcity. I, I have no confidence at all starting in the top of the second to the middle of the second round. I, I'm already out of the running back business at that point in most drafts. So when given the opportunity to go ahead and grab a running back, I'm going to take it every time. I think that's really the nail on the head right there, and that's where I was going with it as well, is, is the scarcity of the elites. You know, in my mind, at wide receiver, you've got six elites, Antonio Brown, Julio, OBJ, uh, A.J. Green, Mike Evans, Jordy Nelson would be like the, the tier for me as far as just full-on elites. There's a tier within that tier, of course. But uh, that's what it boils down to is that scarcity. And DJ and, um, and Le'Veon just stand alone. I wouldn't be able to pass. I just couldn't do it if I had the 1-1 or the 1-2. We're back to the future, folks. Last year, the running backs were dead, and now we're right back. you got to take one number one overall. I love it. <laughs> True I enough. love it. We were, we were joined by the 910 area code. Who is that? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Hello. Bueller? Hello. Hey, who's this? His name is Jonathan. How are you doing today? Just fine. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay. My phone's just really bad. I got a really crappy phone. Uh, so I heard you guys talking about Antonio. I didn't catch that. Yeah, I don't know. I thought I heard maybe click. Hello? Are you there, Jonathan? No, it dropped off. All right. All right. I'm well, we'll Here we go. Yeah, we'll see if he calls Rick. Oh, let's see. What, okay, we've gone over the top three wide receivers. Who's your number four? Are we talking Jordy Nelson? Or are we talking A.J. Green? Or are we talking Mike Evans? I personally think because of the targets that he receives, uh, that he's received the past couple of years, uh, and the growing of his quarterback, i got to have Mike Evans at number four. It is close because both the other guys definitely produce when they're on the field. But as we've seen, uh, there are injury concerns with those guys. So I think that hedges the field just a little bit towards Mike Evans' favor. Uh, I'm actually uh, in agreement with that. Uh, the injury point was a really good one. Uh, also with Mike Evans, uh, led the NFL with 171 targets last year. I don't really see Deshaun Jackson as taking too many away from him. Uh, best thing for Evans also was that his uh, touchdown numbers – uh, bounced back up once Jameis Winston started uh, kind of coming into his own there. So uh, I think that's a – I have the most interest in, in Mike Evans of that group. You can't really go wrong there. And even though I, I like Julio substantially below the other two receivers, uh, to me there's kind of a gap between Julio at three and, and these other guys. I just have a personal preference for Mike Evans. I love Mike no, Evans I will as say well, that. but I really got to go uh, – I got to go Jordy here. You know, just – 
I got a birthday coming up. I'm getting old. I lean towards this old, old seasoned veteran who's, uh, who's done it, you know, five years running. He's averaging over 1200 yards a season, about 11 touchdowns during that time frame on 85 receptions. And, and he trusts, I mean, he's got the trust of Aaron Rodgers, obviously. And I trust Aaron Rodgers. If you look at what he's done, you know, averaging almost 38, you know, touchdowns over the last five seasons, it's, it's a no-brainer for me in that high-octane offense, the way those guys click. It's it's really good. You can't go wrong with Evans either, but for me, Jordy Nelson, there's no question mark at the quarterback position, and that tips the scale for me. This is actually really funny because I'm going to go A.J. Green. Um, <laughs> you know, he only played 10 games last year, and he made it up to 964 yards. Only four touchdowns, but, I mean, you're looking at a guy who, through 2011, lowest amount of touchdowns, six, lowest yards total, it was 1,041. He's Andy Dalton's main guy. I've made it known that he's my QB sleeper of the year. I'm very high on him. but um, And I actually have Jordy a very close second, call him like 4A, 4B. And then, funny, I have like Mike Evans, seven. I know that's crazy, but I'm just not buying into him this year. But A.J. Green's my guy. You know, I will say this. If you're sitting – and this is one of the reasons why I kind of like the back end of the first round this year. You've got this – you're probably going to have one of those receivers at your disposal. And then if you can come around really quick on the turn and get, you know, a Devonta Freeman or a DeMarco Murray for your backfield, that's not a bad way to start a team out at all. Nope, in agreement. That's the value of the draft this year. So going top heavy. It's nice to have those players, but there's more balance right now in this particular season. In uh, like you just said, in that bottom part of the first round. Yeah. So of course I get stuck sixth in every draft I've ever had. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's no good. No good at all. Brutal. Usually I love being in the middle. This is not a year that that that, that works out too well. Oh, as Todd mentioned, death match. That's only ten teams. What am I picking? Fifth, of course. <laughs> okay, we mentioned the Ezekiel Elliott suspension. I'll go to you for this, David, to begin. What does the Ezekiel Elliott suspension in your mind do for Des Bryant? Does he bump up a little bit, right around the same? I assume he's not well, going down. Yeah, I, I think he's right about the same for me. Um, I, I think he'll get a, a few more opportunities because Zeke won't just be taking it to the house, you know. Um, Alfred Morris and, and uh, Darren McFadden, whoever's toting the rock there, or even Rod Smith, who knows, right, at this juncture, um, they don't have the wheels like Zeke's got. And so I think naturally more opportunities will be created uh, due to that offense, essentially slowing down a little bit. But I think more so than anything, it all depends on Dak Prescott's progression this season. And that's really what we need to look for and see if he's actually going to you know, have to go out there and lean on his own arm to get it done. I think the running backs will still be able to – you know, float the team for a while here. I can see a little uptick for Dez, if anything, but not going down, I don't think. Anyone else have any opinions on Dez, or does that more or less the, the group, you know, slight uptick? Well, let me tell you what, what Gary, I, I, did, I, I participated in the Fantasy Index uh, Experts poll this year, and I was the highest in the entire field on, on Dez Bryant. And overall, I still like him. I thought when Dez was healthy last year and he started to build some really, really nice 
chemistry with, with Dak Prescott. And when they were both healthy, the numbers dictate really good. But I, I'm now concerned when you're taking an extra man out of the box to stop Zeke Elliott, and now you're, you're dropping more people, more linebackers, maybe a nickel back in the coverage. That's a problem. And when you look at the, the Cowboys' schedule this year, it's kind of a concern for Dez. He's got two games against Josh Norman and two games against Janoris Jenkins inside the NFC East. But other than that, he's going to have to face Chris Harris, Patrick Peterson, Richard Sherman, Marcus Peters, and now Ronald Darby. That's kind of a tough schedule for an elite wide receiver. And if and if now their opponents have the luxury of kind of trying to double-team him without Zeke to account for. So it's kind of a problem for me. Like I said, I was the highest maybe – and maybe one of the highest in the whole industry on Dez, but I've kind of started to, uh, you know, be a little concerned now. That said, I, I still would feel like in the middle of round two, if he's still there, I would have to jump all over that. There you go, folks. All right, I'm going to go around to everyone. This is the information that everybody wants. It's the good stuff, the nitty-gritty Start with you, Todd. Give me an undervalued wide receiver. Give me someone who's going later than he ought to be. Well, you know, I've got an awful lot of names that I highlighted on this particular subject. You know, you can sit there and point at some names. Eric Decker at number 43. I think he could lead the team in targets down in Tennessee. Uh, That's a very, very low price to pay for a starting receiver, especially one with his background resume. All he does is seem to perform and catch touchdowns or get 100 yards a game. I think that's a very, very bargain basement price for a starting receiver. Jody, I'm loading up on running backs and death matches of super flex leagues. I already have two quarterbacks. I'm going to need some wide receiver values later. Help me out. Well, if you're lucky, maybe you can still get an elite wide receiver uh, that's going kind of significantly under where he should be going, and that's Demarius Thomas out of Denver for me. Um, last year was considered really a down year for Thomas. You know, he, he even in a down year, 144 targets, 90 receptions, 1,083 yards, he fell off to five touchdowns. But he still finished the season as a wide receiver 15. But that rewind the four years before that. Demarius Thomas finished in PPR leagues as the wide receiver nine, the wide receiver two, the wide receiver one, and the wide receiver five. That's four consecutive top ten seasons in a PPR league for Demarius Thomas. I think to see him available as late as the fourth and the fifth round at times, somewhere in the wide receiver 18 to 20 range, to me, a really, really good bargain. If, like you said, in the 2QB league, if I've already got my, both my quarterbacks and people are shying away from wide receivers, um, I, I'm taking Demarius Thomas in the fourth or fifth round every time. My better half will be very glad to hear that she just drafted Demarius Thomas as her wide receiver one in death match. So I like her team better than mine. David, give me a value. A guy I'm really looking at this year, um, I was actually going Demarius as well, so you nailed that. But um, Alshon Jeffrey keeps jumping off the page at me. You know, you look at new location in uh, Philly, you know, standalone number one. Jordan Matthews has gone. I don't know if that really mattered, but it doesn't hurt, that's for sure. Um, and, and you look at what he's done in the past. I mean, he's really hung up some big seasons in 2013 and 2014. So we know he's got it in him. You know, he's got the pedigree. He's big, big, big wide receiver, the kind I like the most. And you got a team in Philly, which, you know, I'm not certain what they're going to do this year, but last year they threw it over 600 times. 
with uh, with Carson Wentz. Carson could le- lean on him, you know, really be looking to him early and often in a lot of games. Coming in at ADP of 36 right now, I feel like he's got that top 10 potential, and, and you get him at that bit of a discounted price. So if you go running back, you know, at the beginning of the, the draft here, come back around with a guy like Alshon, it may still pay off, and you still may get someone who's in that sort of elite conversation at, you know, way less than what you should be paying for him. I took Alshon in that draft where I took Ezekiel Elliott in the second round I, because I didn't draft a wide receiver until, I believe, the fourth. So I took Jeffrey as my wide receiver one. I agree with you, provided he can stay healthy, which is a good size if, given his last two years. If he can stay on the field, I think he'll be right there. Ryan, come on. I know you got some sneaky values for us. Give it up. Give it up. Yeah, I went a little bit deeper uh, down, kind of in the Eric Decker range. Uh, Pierre Garçon is one guy I find myself drafting left and right. Um, You know, in 2013, led the league in targets with 181 when he was with Shanahan in Washington. You know, I made it known also, like I said earlier, I I think Brian Hoare is very undervalued, and I think he's a competent quarterback. And you look at the San Francisco 49ers wide receivers, and you see Pierre Garçon, Marquise Goodwin, and Jeremy Curley, and Aldrick Robinson. It's like, I actually kind of like Curley, by the way, and Goodwin's all fast as get out, but I think Garçon is just going to get the targets, and by volume, by default, he's going to bring on wide receiver two, kind of back in, maybe low wide receiver three numbers, and you're going to be very happy at the 37th wide receiver off the board. I have two words where Pierre Garçon is concerned. Words that are music to the ears of fantasy owners. Garbage time. He's going to clean up. 49ers are going to be behind a lot, which means that it's going to be Blake. Instead of Blake Bortles, we're going to have Brian Hoyer. And instead of Allen Robinson, we're going to have Pierre Garçon. I, yep. I don't disagree with any of the guys that you guys brought up. I think all of them are guys that just absolutely – be on fantasy owners' radars, and all it does is feed into the idea that you know maybe you're better off attacking that running back position early, because you can come back and there are going to be guys like this available. There's a flip side to the coin, though. Those wide receivers that you think you want, but you don't really want. We'll go to you first, David. Give me an overvalued wide receiver. Give me a guy that makes you nervous. Ooh. I got I got two guys I got just circled right here. Let me just flip my coin here. You know what? I'm going to go Brandon Cooks coming in at an ADP of 25 right now. It's not because I don't believe in his abilities. not because I don't believe in Tom Brady, the GOAT. Um, it's just it's so crowded. Gronk, Hogan, Amendola, Malcolm Mitchell, all the running backs there. Heck, even Dwayne Allen maybe. You know, when I can get Edelman, who's done it before in New England, in that system at 53, Paying 25 for Brandon Cooks, it's just it's just too steep for me. It's too risky. It could pay off for somebody if you grab him there, but I'm looking for value here, and I don't see that value right there. He could be awesome, but I'm not going to pay the price to see it with Brandon Cooks at 25. I can't disagree. A lot of mouths to feed in New England, a lot of hype surrounding Brandon Cooks, and hype causes prices to go. I don't like hype. Hype is bad. Todd, who's your overvalued wide receiver? Well, we all picked on him quite a bit last year based upon the year before, going back a couple years. All he did was produce 
a lot, a lot in garbage time. Look, we, we just talked about Pierre Garçon. I uh, am hearing a lot of stories that Jacksonville wants to run the ball an awful lot, which means a lot less targets and a lot less scoring opportunities for Allen Robinson. I just don't think that he can live up to the potential of being the number 14 wide receiver off the board at number 35 overall. Uh, that's just scary, it, way too scary, especially how many uh, interceptions Blake Bortles has thrown. I don't like that combination. I don't like Robinson at number 14 for wide receiver. Poor Blake Bortles, man. He needs a hug. <laughs> Ryan, who's your overvalued wide receiver? Yeah, uh, with the Cutler signing, I hate to say it, but it's got to be Jarvis Landry at uh, 20th wide receiver off the board. And it, I like the guy, and I think I think Cutler will give him his targets, but you know, it's we a steady decline since. In, uh, in last year, if you look at the last half against the first half. But the big thing for me is when you look in that range, you have like the Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Michael Crabtree. They all have a little bit – or actually a lot more upside than Jarvis Landry. I think you know what you're getting in Jarvis Landry, and I think you're going to get a lot less this year. You know, maybe in PPR, I get it. He's a fine, low-end wide receiver too. But anything other than that, just – boring he's there like Cutler is known for targeting his big receivers this is actually the year of Devontae Parker so Jarvis Landry's just gonna have to take a back seat I think he's being overdrafted Jody yeah I'm not in disagreement with uh, any any of those picks but one of the guys that's going in the third round and I kind of scratch my head with it, it's kind of a thing where we as fantasy people we, we have long memories we tend to remember the glory days read also in the Josh Gordon how he continued to be drafted and picked up on waivers for so many years and he hasn't done anything another guy that we're having a hard time forgetting is Keenan Allen now how people are taking him in the third round even in PPR leagues I, I just don't get it because this guy you're talking – he's had a – even going back to college, several major injuries. It's, I think it's just a, a, an issue of his playing style other than anything. But, but he's only played nine games in the last two years. And, and really, when you look at his rookie season in 2013, really impressive, 105 targets, exceeded 1,000 yards, scored eight touchdowns. But from that point forward, and that's been a full – this is going on fourth year now, he only has eight total touchdowns since that time. Even when he has been healthy, he just hasn't been used to saying his yards per reception were 14.7 as a rookie, and they've, they've been down well under 11 yards per, per catch the last three years when he's been healthy. He's just being used differently. And when you look at San Diego, you're talking about a loaded offense with an elite running back in Melvin Gordon, two very good tight ends, Antonio Gates and Hunter Henry, and not to mention Tyrell Williams, who really came into his own last year out of nowhere. Those are a lot of people that are commanding targets in this. Not to mention also Mike Williams if he gets healthy. But that's a lot of people commanding looks in this offense. I don't think you're going to see Phillip Rivers funneling the offense through Keenan Allen. It's good to read that he is healthy. I just don't see how people are taking him in the third round. He's somebody that I would probably target in the fifth round. But that goes to show you I have yet to have him on any team because he's always going well above where I would value him. Just someone I'm just not interested in. Once again, I'm not going to argue with any of those picks. Keenan Allen, for what he costs relative to what I can get Tyrell Williams for, that's just kooky talk. 
I would throw out Amari Cooper of the Oakland Raiders, too. I mean, it's nothing against him. He's a talented young wide receiver, and he's been solid for the Raiders. But he hasn't – he's being drafted significantly higher than he's ever finished. And last I looked, Michael Crabtree, who's available two, three rounds later, outpointed Cooper last year. I just – I don't understand. It just feels like Cooper's being drafted ceiling, maybe even ceiling plus, and – you don't want to draft fantasy players at their ceiling. You want to draft them closer to the floor, let them break through it, and all is right with the universe. So, luckily, Gary, I'm getting total, running backs. That's the other name I had written down, Gary. Total agreement with Amari Cooper. Um, yeah. It's just, it's touchdown numbers. He he plays almost no role for the Raiders. Not to mention Derek Carr was 40th in red zone efficiency as passers last year. 40th. That means backup quarterbacks are more efficient in the red zone. Two full seasons Amari Cooper has played. He has not caught a single pass inside an opponent's 10-yard line. I don't know what's going on there. When you bring in a running back that's a red zone monster like Marshawn Lynch, that's going to tell me that uh, Amari Cooper's struggles to get into the end zone are probably going to continue, and that's going to keep him out of taking that next step and getting into that wide receiver one range where he's being drafted. That's great. Yeah, I, I mean, people were people were saying I'm crazy. Amari I, I, Cooper was my other guy too, and I just flipped the coin and got cooked. But when you look at everything that you see over there in Oakland, when you can get Crabtree 26 pick later, I mean, it's a no-brainer from a value standpoint. I know he put on 10 pounds of muscle and all that good stuff, but I can get pretty much the same production a lot cheaper on the same offense. It's it's a done deal for me. I'll take Crabtree. Yeah, it's kind you know, of nuts that after his. He, in week eight, he went 12 catches for 173 yards and a touchdown. And then after that, there was only one game with more than 60 yards receiving. And as you all alluded to, he only had 13 targets inside the 20-yard line last year, which is just 14.1% of uh, Oakland's red zone target share. It's ridiculous. And like everyone's talked about, Michael Crabtree is just such a better value. Just let someone else take him in the second round and – you'll be a happier person at the end of the year. Gentlemen, in my death match league that's going on right now, we're at picks, uh, we're at round four, pick three. And at this juncture, we've still only had six wide receivers taken. What we're all saying folks is that there's a lot of depth in the middle uh, of the draft for your wide receivers. You don't need to spend high and worry about getting somebody like an Amari Cooper who's overvalued or a lot of these other names that are overvalued. Sit on wide receiver a little bit. If you don't get one of the big names, I've actually got a couple of big names in one of my leagues. I drafted wide receiver early for PPR, but there's a lot of depth. So I'm going to go an awful lot running back heavy with my next several picks. But what we're saying again, folks, is there's a lot of meat in the middle of the wide receiver market. Don't, don't waste a pick. Don't get nervous and jump. You can wait and still be happy with your selection. Yeah, most of the guys that were mentioned on the overvalued list are coming off draft boards when I'm still attacking the running back position, or maybe I feel froggy and I go get an elite tight end, Gronkowski or Kelsey. Most of the guys we had listed on undervalued, yeah, those are the guys that are coming off draft boards right about the time that I say, okay, it's time to get a wide receiver. And at the end of the draft, I look at my team, and granted, the wide receivers are not the strength of my squad, but they very rarely are within the running back guy. But I look at the core, and I'm like, I can, I can pull three starters out of that. I feel like if I can get two weekly starters, then I'm fairly confident I can roll out there every week. And then that third spot, I'll platoon. 
and maybe pull a flex out of there too, depending on scoring and how the season works out. But I, if I don't have depth in the backfield, I start my eyes start twitching and my hair falls out, and it's just bad. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> All right, we're gonna do a little, much as we did last week with the running backs. We're gonna do a little wide receiver ADP buy and sell. I know you gentlemen have some names of your own to throw out there. This, the ADP I'm using is from my fantasy league. I know it's, I think at least one of you is using ADP from Fantasy Pros, which is six one half a dozen of the other. i got to go to Jody for this one because I know he's a Texans guy, covers the team for Texans wire with an ADP of wide receiver 11, 24th overall, back of the second round, DeAndre Hopkins. Ooh, Gary, that one's tough because uh, you have such questions right now at like quarterbacks for the Texans, whereas, okay, I expect still right now Tom Savage starts season for Houston, at least temporarily. And when you look at the body of work, the, the brief time that Savage and Hopkins had together last year, that was Hopkins' high target point and high yardage point for season. So that bodes pretty well. However, um, as – Andre Johnson has been away from Houston for more than a couple of years now. And DeAndre Hopkins has been the de facto number one, undisputed number one receiver for the Texans. He's kind of struggled a little bit now. A lot of that has to do, obviously, with the failed off-butter experiment. But overall, I know it sounds like I'm kind of on a fence here, which I am. It really would honestly depend here in the bottom of round two. Who else is on the board? Now, I actually like Hopkins this year. I see no problem with when you play with your projections, you play with your numbers. Sometimes he can be as high as, say, wide receiver 10 or 11, and sometimes he's down at 14 or 15. just depends on, in that range, which other receivers you want. Forced to choose here on this particular program, I'm going to say bye. I actually think that I, I love what I've seen so far in practice from Deshaun Watson, and I do believe he's going to take over probably sooner than expected here in Houston. So, overall – I, I'm on Hopkins this year. I know there's been some, like I said, a lot of negatives about him, but overall, uh, he, he's a thumbs up for me. He, he's a tough one for me, I'll admit, because I'm seeing him come off the board usually a little bit later than that 11th wide receiver. I think he makes as many people nervous as not. And it, it leaves you with a dilemma because the ceiling is certainly, I mean, we've seen what his ceiling looks like. It's pretty good. Like you said, the quarterback sits you. There's a lot of questions. It's I certainly think he would qualify as a risk-reward pick. Well, I'm going to do some bouncing around here. Ryan, with an ADP of 84th overall, wide receiver 36. Is this truly the year of Devontae Parker? Finally. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it is. Just, And the reason I say that, I mean, According to this offseason, every Dolphins player is going to have a Hall of Fame year. They're all going to catch 100 passes, and they're all going to score 200 touchdowns. But Devontae Parker just fits the profile of what Cutler likes to throw to. And I alluded to that earlier, obviously, because I'm not a big fan of Landry this year now that Cutler's there. But And Thomas, Julius Thomas, is having back issues again. So Devontae Parker – is the de facto numero uno. And Kenny Stills, he's more of a one-trick pony in my mind, but I think they're going to get theirs on the outside. And Devontae Parker, I mean, you're looking maybe 70 catches, if I had to forecast it, 1,200 yards, eight, eight TDs. I think this is the year. 
the only my only problem with Devontae Parker, and he's winding up on. I drafted him in that draft I had Sunday night as my third receiver. My only problem is every time someone says this is the year of Devontae Parker, I think back to right about a year ago today when everyone was saying this is the year for Devontae Parker, and it, I, I'm afraid he's going to turn into the wide receiver equivalent of Jared Cook, where every year we come back and say, okay, this year he's really going to do it. Now I know we've been yeah. saying that, but I, I agree with everything you said. In regards to color. So I'm I'm in on Parker and if it doesn't work out. That's the great thing about when you're drafting a guy that is the thirty sixth wide receiver off a of draft board. If he doesn't pan out, it's probably not going to be the end of the world. David, with an ADP of wide receiver twenty two, forty fifth overall, toward the end of the fourth round, second year second year sensation, Tyreek Hill of the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, it's um, he's a tough one because that that guy is electric, and uh, I feel like a lot of people get caught up in, in the game film. I mean, I can't imagine a lot of people watch film like we do, but you know, just remembering how awesome he looks on Sunday—it's amazing out there. Um, I'm really, really torn on him. I'm gonna say sell only because there's a guy named Chris Conley on the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and his measurables are right there in line with, with Tyreek. Um, you know, I think Tyreek's a little bit quicker, but I mean, another, another combine superstar, Chris Conley was just an absolute lights out performance he did there. And I think now that, you know, some of the, some of the fats out of the way, it could, I, I'm not ready to anoint Tyreek Hill as, as the definite number one there. I mean, if you go back and look at what his actual numbers were from last year, there's not a lot of amazing games. I mean, there's games that looked amazing. He did some amazing things. But statistically, it's, it's, I'm not impressed when you see it on paper. And for that reason, I'm not buying him at, at that spot. It's not a bad value. I just want to invest in Conley later on for dirt cheap. He's at like 209 or something absurd right now. A lot of people don't even know who he is. So that's, that's how I play that one. But absolutely no problem if you want to buy Tyreek Hill. I can see why. The challenge, certainly. I just I wanted to – it just feels a little high for me, the ADP. I mean, he's going to see a lot more attention from opposing defenses this year, bracket coverage most likely. I, I think there's going to be some – obviously, he's going to have some huge games. He's going to be one of those guys that can single-handedly win you a week. But I just – I wonder if we might not have an up or down guy. And I'm not – streaky guys are great in best ball leagues because then you don't have to yeah. worry about it so much. But in weekly – Oh, you'll drive yourself crazy when the guy goes out there and gets one catch for 11 yards and you can look at the score sheet like, that can't be right. Mr. Latsky, since I know how much you like the Green Bay Packers, I'll let you have one of those. Okay. such a huge fan. With an ADP also of 45th overall, it was a fraction higher. He's coming off the board just before Tyree Kill, the pick before on average, the same pick, but two players can't be drafted at the same time. Last year's sensation, Devontae Adams. Uh, I am selling, and there's a few reasons why. Uh, they've got a new tight end in town by the name of Martellus Bennett, who's going to eat away at a lot of those cheap touchdowns that he got last year. Uh, I also think that Randall Cobb is a big bounce-back candidate this year. He's struggled the past couple of years. He's had some injury issues. I expect Cobb to come back in a big way, also eating into whatever uh, Devontae had as far as catches and touchdowns last year. 
I expect a big down year from Devontae Adams. And so this is a huge, huge sell for me. Big touchdown numbers usually make me nervous. Unless your name's Jordy Nelson, he just seems to crank them out every year. Or Antonio Brown, one of those just truly elite guys. But when a guy comes out of nowhere and his touchdowns just go through the roof. You know, I gotta, I gotta yeah, say, I, under, I understand the touchdown argument. I definitely do. But I, I'm gonna play a little devil's advocate here. I, I would buy Devontae Adams at that um, 45th overall ADP to have that strong piece of, of the Green Bay offense. You know, he did have 12 touchdowns. The only people that were uh, ahead of him, or only person I should say, was Jordy Nelson, his teammate. So there's a lot to go around as far as the passing touchdown goes uh, in Green Bay. I mean, throwing out 2013, I, I mentioned it briefly earlier, but Aaron Rodgers averaged 38 touchdown passes per season, and, you know, not counting 2013 where he had the nine-game stint. So, I mean, there's definitely, definitely going to be – you know, the regression argument, and I, I can't say that, you know, I don't um, fully disagree with that, but I think that it's not a definitive thing to say, like, he's going to regress and, and he's not going to get those touchdowns. There's a lot of touchdowns being thrown in Green Bay. And, again, it just comes down to that offense, Aaron Rodgers being the quarterback. If he had just gotten, like, 100 more yards receiving, I don't know if we'd be having this conversation. Well, we actually might, but his ADP would be even higher and it is right now would be well into the 30s, if not the high 20s, if he had just gotten another 100 yards and gotten over that 1,000 hump. Because, I mean, 997, put him at 24th in total yards last year. It doesn't look as good on paper, but it's pretty darn good, you know. And when you're tied with Antonio Brown, OBJ, you know, Mike Evans with 12 touchdowns, that's really good company to be in. So I don't fault you if you want to sell him, but I'm buying I mean, if a fantasy owner didn't waste any time throwing Randall Cobb under the bus, his ADP is non-existent. Poor guy. I remember when we loved Randall Cobb, like, a year ago. Loved him. Loved him. Yep. And, okay, any of you gentlemen that want to help me out with this, I would love to know the answer to this question. Why do we keep undervaluing Larry Fitzgerald every year? Every year? (laughs) That's I think maybe question. people are just. I think people maybe are just waiting as he's getting older. What's he thirty three now? I, I think people are trying to be smart and maybe wait for that one season that the wheels are going to fall off, and assume that this is going to be it. But you look at Carson Palmer was really good down the stretch last year. I want to say he was a top five, top seven quarterback. When you look at the, the last month of the season, and. Look at what's happening right now behind Larry Fitzgerald. John Brown doesn't want to practice because he doesn't feel like he's healthy. Jerron Brown, of all people, was being lauded as the wide receiver, too. I don't see how Larry Fitzgerald, at whatever age he is, 33, 34, 39, however old he is this year, I don't see how he's not going to to get another 125, 135 targets and put up his usual numbers. Maybe the yards per catch will start to, to you know creep down a little bit further. He might play a little bit less role in the red zone, but Gary, I mean, you hit it. He's completely being underrated again. He was the other guy I had listed as an underrated guy. He's being drafted behind, you know, I would, I probably would take Fitzgerald over Devontae Adams pretty much every time, but that's just a, you know, choose your poison type thing. But, you know, I can't answer that really for you because I've got Larry Fitzgerald in quite a few leagues and I'll happily keep, keep drafting him. Oh, I love Fitz as a wide receiver, too, that you can get as a low-end wide receiver. It's another great target if you hit those running backs early. I can come back and get Larry Fitz as my wide receiver all day, every day. Money. Yes, sir. Money. And it 
people, yes, he's old. Absolutely. Geriatric, 10% off at Denny's. People, please don't draft him. It's terrible. You don't want to do that. And then I'll take him. Glad. I, I always end up with a team full of old guys. It's Frank Gore and Larry Fitzgerald and my guys all ride around on scooters. <laughs> once you start building teams and you're in that win now mode, it's hard to get past that. Once you start it, you know, once you open them floodgates of, you know what, screw it, I'm taking these guys and I'm gonna win now. Well, you got to stick with it. I did, I did it in Dynasty where I'm uh, the, the serious XM Dynasty League. I mean, I'm a contender, but barely. I'm right. I, I wonder if I should consider maybe trading off a couple assets and try to start rebuilding. I just can't bring myself to do it because I want to get to the playoffs. So next thing you know, I'm targeting old guys or trading draft picks for guys that are 32, 33 years old because I just hate to lose. I, the future is far away. The present is right here, right now. I want to win games. ADP of 65th overall, 29th wide receiver off the board. Oh, how the mighty have fallen, Jody. Kelvin Benjamin of the Carolina Panthers. Oh, I'm totally buying this here. Uh, everyone is, is just down on Kelvin Benjamin. There were those rumors earlier this spring that he weighed 180 pounds and he was converting to tackle to help that terrible Carolina offensive line. Last year, almost everything went wrong for the for the Panthers. Uh Cam Newton had one of the worst seasons he's had in a long time. And Kelvin Benjamin had little help around him from qualified wide receivers, yet he still finished as the wide receiver 25 in PPR leagues. As far as I can tell, when you're adding the, the weapons through the draft, and Christian McCaffrey, Curtis Samuel, you're adding weapons that are, to me, only going to help take a little coverage away from Kelvin Benjamin. And I expect that once Cam Newton is 100% healthy, and he should be pretty soon here, you're going to see a little bit of a bounce back here. I think Kelvin Benjamin is a really, really nice bargain. And unfortunately, his ADP after we saw this preseason performance this week where he scored, looked pretty good, you're going to see his ADP probably skyrocket as people, with that fresh in their mind, you know, him and Kenny Galladay are guys, you're going to see their ADP shoot up really quick here. But as long as he stays outside of that top 25, I think Kelvin Benjamin's, uh, you know, a really, really nice bargain. I, I have him projected for uh, over 1,000 yards, and I think he's an eight-touchdown guy. Don't even get me started on Kenny Galladay. I've been asked so many times about that guy in the last <laughs> week. <laughs> he's a talented kid, but everyone just slow your roll for a second. He scored oh, he's going to catch 35 touchdowns. Game. Walk it up. Oh, yeah. Touchdowns. Well, he's on pace for it. <laughs> Right now, I uh, think we should get that. Alan, I think you need to get that Allen Iverson tape, and instead of saying it's just practice, you know, it's just preseason. No, uh, it's people haven't seen. You know, it's been a long time since we had football, so of course people overreact. Mitchell Trubisky is the greatest, but you might as well just start carving his bust for Canton right now. Jeff and Jan, that's all I'll say. <laughs> That's all I'll say oh, about oh. preseason preseason receivers and Jeff Janice every year. Oh, ow. <laughs> Compared to Jeff Janice. That's dang. No, no, I'm not comparing him. What I'm saying is people love Jeff Janice only based on what he does in the preseason. And then once regular season rolls around, nothing. I'm not comparing Kenny Dollar oh, to Jeff Janice. I'm just saying I how people you. get so excited because we're so desperate for football after this long hot summer and a long spring after the draft. We're just desperate. So whatever we see 
we tend to overreact. And fantasy Twitter has been very, very hard uh, to let Jeff Janis go. Hey, at least so far, I mean, we've still got three weeks of games to go. At least so far we haven't had a prominent offensive player get hurt. And I hope they don't. There's already been a couple guys on defense that are of some value in IDP leagues who are – looks like Denzel Perriman's going to miss half the season maybe. Terry Hyder tore his Achilles. He's done. So I hate preseason injuries. Really, the preseason's too long. It's just two games would be plenty. David, I'm in the ninth, tenth round. We're getting a little later in the draft. I've assembled something of a starting core. I may even grab a quarterback by then. I'm looking for a deep wide receiver, undervalued, the sleeper, the word that everybody loves. Give me a wide receiver I should be looking at late in my draft. Well, yeah, I mentioned Chris Conley earlier, and I, I want to make sure that uh, people don't forget his name, Chris Conley, Kansas City. Keep him on your radar. But um, – I'm going John Ross, you know, looking at uh, Fantasy Sharks ADP of 148 right now, you know, coming into the slot right there. He's well documented. He's a burner, 4-2-2-40 speed. And, um, you know, I like, the, I like the offense there in Cincinnati, how it's shaping up with the weapons they have there. And um, you don't hear a ton of talk about him right now. So I feel like not only is he the forgotten man sort of in fantasy circles, but also kind of the forgotten man, you know, in that offense at the moment. But I think when you see him out on that field, if you can just get him a quick slant, I mean, he might house it with those wheels. You never know. So coming in that cheap, it's not going to cost you anything. And if he turns into a solid WR3, you're going to get some real nice return on your investment there, I think. John Ross, Cincinnati. Good answer. I drafted him Sunday night, too. Mr. Lasky, give me a sleeper receiver and tell him to take the tarp off the field to target field. The Indians have some whooping to do. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. There's some bad weather all around us. But as far as sleeper wide receivers, you know, injuries have been um, what was once uh, a weak New York Jets offense. Now it's even weaker. But they've been playing behind an awful lot. And you can choose either or both of Robbie Anderson and Ardarius Stewart. Uh, They're both really, really low in the rankings. Uh, But they're going to be playing from behind. They're going to have to throw to somebody. Both those guys are going to get a lot of garbage time uh, catches and yards, in my opinion. I I see that one or both of them could really help out somebody very late in the draft. I get it, but I just I have a hard time buying any Jets this year. That team is going to be so bad. I I tweeted, I don't know, a week, ten days ago, that there's a real possibility this year that we could have a 16-0 team and an 0-16 team in the same division. This would be odd. <laughs> hey, credit to the Jets, though. When they tank, they don't play around. First, they get rid of everyone <laughs> who's good, except Matt Forte, who they're punishing. They made him stay. And then the one wide receiver they have goes out and gets hurt, and now he's out for the year. So, <sighs> Poor Jets. Dude. This should be a great year for him. Jody, you got a deep sleeper at receiver? Well, I know we're supposed to be looking outside of the top 100 when we're looking at that, but what about Tyrell Williams? He's right there at 96, right on the cusp of that mark. 
last year, wide receiver 18, and now he's someone that you're taking in the 96th pick overall. That's a ridiculous value. But a little bit further down, outside of the 10th round, Kenny Britt, to me, is probably going to be Cleveland's number one wide receiver. Now, I understand that he's kind of been a disappointing player throughout his career. And last year in the contract season, he kind of reeks a little bit of someone who, you know, had a career year. But still, uh, I, I actually think Cleveland's offense is going to be quite a bit better this year. And Kenny Britt, to me, is their, their number one receiver right now. And he's going in the 11th round. Uh, last year was wide receiver 26. I don't think he'll quite be quite that good. But he is someone that, to me, is worthy of you know, wide receiver four flex consideration. And the final guy I'd look at, maybe in the 14th round, you know, these are towards the latter part of when most people's drafts are going to wrap up, say, in the 16th round. Uh, Ted Gannon in, in New Orleans. Um, I actually expect him to have really, really good – he's going to fit that, that Kenny Stills, Devery Henderson deep role really, really well for New Orleans. He's not someone who's going to be a probably a very consistent weekly producer, but to me – um, he's got that big play potential, very good best ball candidate. I can see Ted Ginn having um, half a dozen games this year with well over 100 yards. And to me, it wouldn't be out of the realm for him to score anywhere from, say, seven to ten touchdowns this season uh, with Drew Brees. Oh, if I – in a best ball league, if I can load up the back end of my receiving quarter with the Ted Ginn's and John Ross's of the world, yes, that will work just fine. Ryan, who's your sleeper? Yeah, the Redskins homer in me wants to say Josh Doxson, but um, got to go with Zay Jones. Zay Jones is going right now. Uh, looks like two picks. Uh, there are two wide receivers after Ted Ginn. Uh, number 56 wide receiver off the board. Uh, Sammy Watkins is gone. Jordan Matthews is hurt. This is just an obvious low-hanging fruit here, but he's probably going to be Tyrod's number one. I mean, you could call Anquan Bolden the slot, maybe. He might be a bigger red zone guy, but Zay Jones is actually an inch taller than Sammy Watkins, and maybe not as quick, but uh, Sean McDermott's been showing really like a lot of confidence in him, so I'm really thinking Zay Jones is probably my favorite target towards the end of the um, draft. But uh, Josh Doxson also looks really good there at 63. Those are all guys that are targeted in one draft or another. I've even, in a, I think it was a 20 round draft, I added Bolden for the end. So he's 43 years yeah. old, whatever. He had eight touchdowns last year in Detroit. Apparently, Anquan just refuses to be old. So. Plus, I just love him as a player. <laughs> He's reliable. You can build a whole team off these old guys, and you know what? I bet you do pretty well. I love Bolden. Ever since remember that hit that he took so many years ago in San Francisco that broke his face, and he pretty much just stood up and walked to the sideline. One of the toughest players I've ever seen play. Yeah, and then they put screws in his face. I think he missed one game. Yep. And probably didn't want to sit that one out. Gentlemen, we just about, him, you're right. We, we just about reached the finale of this, so uh, – We'll go around and let everyone know what you guys are working on at Fantasy Sharks. We'll start with you, Jimmy. Uh, I just did the training camp battles that I think that came out uh, in the subscriber page. Okay, Ryan, what you got going at Sharks? Yeah, I just uh, wrote a – I did a mock draft starting at everyone's favorite position, as noted at the beginning of this podcast, the number six position. 
and uh, <laughs> that should be coming out here shortly. But <laughs> yeah, no, I'll just be doing some uh, basic waiver wires, start looking back at the last week kind of stuff on the past weeks during the NFL season. David? Um, so I am currently compiling trade questions. I answer trade questions all the time. Um, believe it or not, people will draft a team and then try to trade their players immediately. So they're actually coming <laughs> in and I'll <laughs> be doing a weekly uh, sort of trade targets, you know, stock report, sort of a column coming out uh, starting week one of this year. Heck, I might even fire it up before then with the trade questions that are coming in, which reminds me, if you have a trade question, if you're a psycho, you just drafted a team and you're trading them right now, find me on Twitter, at Trade Fantasy. That's at Trade Fantasy on Twitter. I'll answer your trade questions all day. Let me know. I need the content. <laughs> Don't tempt me. I'll start bombing away with trade questions. <laughs> <laughs> come, come at me, bro. <laughs> Last but not least, Mr. Lasky. Well, now it looks like I finally rounded the corner, and I'm not, and I'm done working 60 hour weeks at my job. Uh, paychecks have been nice, but it's uh, been grueling. Uh, my r- rookie rankings to start off the year should be coming out next week, and uh, there's me a few surprises there, folks. I will be starting an IDP article this evening. I think I'm going to go with some late round defensive back targets because you should always wait for your defensive backs. So, I'm going to try to crank crank out at least one or two more offense articles before the season gets underway. And then once the season starts, I am the purveyor of all things IDP at Fantasy Sharks. I want to thank you gentlemen for joining us this evening. It was another fine show. And, of course, you are all welcome to join us next week while we talk a little tight ends to Gronk or not to Gronk and all that good stuff. Very good, gentlemen. Thank you all once again for uh All right, yeah, we have this one.